0: with God in a secret place there in the spirit beholding his face finding new power to run in this race I long to be shut in with God prayer is the sweat of the soul prayer is to the soul what food is to the body without prayer one is weak Without prayer, one has no power. Without prayer, you're just an empty, empty shell. And in this time of prayer that we have had already here in this place tonight, as Pastor has said, seeing the demonstration, finding the manifestation is not hard because that's not our part. Doing it's not our part. I can't heal anyone. I can't set anyone free. I cannot make anything happen. But I do know the one who can. And in order for him to do what he wants to do, he has to find a vessel that is prepared. A vessel that is prepared. And we all like, we all like the demonstration. We all like the manifestation. And when we see someone healed, delivered, set free by the power of God, it creates an excitement within us. And that's our emotions. And emotions have to be involved. And they are involved in living for God. Otherwise, it's a drudgery. But yet, emotions are not the key. Emotions are not in and of and by themselves are the key. It is that soul that is so in tune with God that we know the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, me, which was also in Christ. I was raised under a very strange pastor. He did not fit the bill for anyone or anything. He was strange, greatly, greatly gifted of God. He took me at the age of about five years and began to mold me, and began to shape me because my parents gave me to him, oh no, I lived with my parents; they took care of. Me. But for the spiritual things, and uh, at the age of six and seven, I was speaking in various departments of the church. When I was nine years old, I was involved. We had children's church before there was anything called kids ministry. At the age of ten, I had the distinct honor of being the only one that taught Brother Bennett's Bible class. At the age of 12, he put me in the young married couples class, and I taught it. At the age of 15, he put me into the youth class, and that was probably the hardest place I've ever been. And then he began to train me for ministry, and uh, it was just... So unusual. He started out in his office. He would sit behind his desk. I would sit in front of it. He would open his Bible, read a scripture, and look at me, just me and he, and say, preach me a 10-minute sermon on what I just read to you. Then as I got comfortable, you know, it's hard to preach just one person. I'd rather preach to a 1,000 people than to preach to 50. It's easier. I don't know why. It just is. And then he would bring me in, and I sat only in one place. I could not sit where I wanted to. I sat where he directed me. And there were many times he would get up in the pulpit, and he would read a text, read a scripture, and announce a text subject. And then, instead of going into it, he would call me out of the audience to the pulpit and say, now preach this sermon. Or he would stop in the middle of his sermon and say, stand up and give me a five-minute synoptic overview of everything I've just preached. Or he would say, come finish this sermon. And he told me something that I I trusted him. I believed in him, but I wasn't real sure about this. He said, there will come a day that you'll walk so close with me that you will know what I'm going to preach before I ever announce it. And at any time, you would be able to walk into that pulpit and give to the people what God gave me to give to them. And I didn't believe that for a long time, but there came a time when I walked. So close to him. Did you, did you catch that? I walked so close to him that I began to think like he thought. I began to act like he acted. I began to have the faith that he had. I began to believe that God can do anything. But then he led me into a higher dimension of believing that God You know what the higher dimension of believing that God can do anything? The higher dimension of that is God will do anything. And I thought as I absorbed the prayers of this people praying tonight. That with the word of the Lord that has been given to us. Through prophecy. Through the through the setting forth, whether you call it Rutus Rama, whatever. You, you have your own opinions about that and, and all of that. But God is saying, if you'll walk close to me, you'll start thinking like I think. You'll start talking like I talk. You'll start acting like I act. We scream and holler that we are apostolic. And I told you last night, I'm trying to get away from the con- concept of being apostolic. I'm trying to walk into the relationship of being like Jesus. He's the original. And he said in his word there come a day that we do the things that he did and even greater things. We're not there where he was. We're not doing what he did yet. Let alone the greater. Why? Because we've got to learn how to walk close to Him. I'm going to give you four keys tonight. I'm going to give you four keys. You know, if you've got the right key, you can unlock anything. If you've got the right key, you can unlock a bank vault door. Thank you. But you've got to have the right key. Oh, I know we got got keypads now. But if you've got a keypad, you've got to have the right code. You don't just randomly get up there and punch in. You don't just get a key and start. You've got to have the proper key to open whatever door it is. Now, I'm not trying to steal away your your spirit of prayer and of expectation tonight, but I'm going to give you four keys that, if you will embrace these, you will take them into your hearts and your mind. You see, there are two kingdoms that exist in every individual. There's the kingdom of the spirit. There's the kingdom of the flesh. The kingdom of the flesh is ruled by the mind. That's where the throne room is in the kingdom of the flesh. Your thoughts, your will, those things. But the kingdom of the spirit, the throne is in the heart. And until you leave this world or Come because of sickness or accident to the place where you cannot think, where you cannot do anything. You're just a vegetable being kept alive by a machine. You will always have these two kingdoms. And they will always be at war. Unless, unless you come to a place in relationship when he said Christ In you. Then what happens. These two kings and kingdoms come together. And form an alliance. And they make a treaty. Saying that we're not going to be at war with each other. We're going to cooperate together. And when that happens. Then it is the heart that has to lead you, not ignorance, not ignorance, not just showing out and showing off, but being led by the Spirit. We do not understand what he said when he said as many as are led by the Spirit, they are given, now look at this, they are given the power to be come. The sons of God. Oh, no, no, no. When you get told the Holy Ghost, no, you don't understand. He's talking about relationship and productivity. We have to be led by the Spirit. And the first key to opening the door to the miraculous, and, and the miraculous is God things. Anything that is God thing is miraculous. Whether it's the touching of a headache or the loosening from the bonds of alcohol Drugs, nicotine, pornography, whatever—it's all a God thing. So the realm of the miraculous embraces everything that God is and everything that He has. Now I know you want me to preach, and maybe one of these days I'll come surprise and preach. But that's not what I'm here for tonight. Okay? So we need keys to get into that realm of the miraculous. And the miraculous is the warehouse of everything that God is and that God has. So when you have what he is and what he has, then you have evidence. You have proof. You have manifestation You have power. Two worlds exist side by side. It's the natural world and the spirit world. And there is a world that is just as real as the carpet on this platform, as the chairs that you are sitting in. It's the spirit world. And in the spirit world, God reigns supreme. In the natural world, human will reigns supreme. Oh, there's a few that submit their will to God, but I'm talking about the world as a whole. Now, in the spirit world, everything already exists. Every healing, every deliverance, every soul that is saved already exists. In the spirit world. And if you and I have the key, we can put it in that lock, walk through the door that separates the spiritual world from the physical world or the natural world, and we can go in there and collect anything that we desire. We're not getting that, are we? You say, well, if it's that easy, why don't we? I'll tell you why. Because our will Our will, Uh, it's been laughed about and talked, but I've dealt with it, so it's kind of true that Missouri is the show-me state, okay? And so the concept of the natural will is, God, if you will show me, I will believe it. But God says, nah, that's not the way I work. You know how I work? You believe me and I'll show you. So the first key to entering into that realm of the miraculous is a vision. Now, we talk about the eyes of faith. There, it does not exist. There's no such thing as eyes, plural, of the faith. Faith is a singular eye. Now, we are created with two eyes for balance, all this other kind of stuff. But in the realm of the miraculous, there is an eye of faith because it is a focus. And the focus is on Him. Not my problem, not my sickness, not my need, but I am focused. There's only one line of sight, and that's Him. Jesus is the answer to any situation in your life. So that vision has to be out of this world into the realm of the kingdom of God. And I don't have time to really talk about this. You can put the bare bones on it. It's like getting an old soup bone, put it in the pot, put a little water in, boil it, and you can get some good soup out of it. So you make your own soup. The second key is simply this desire. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness, God alone is righteousness. There's nothing you can do to be righteous, you can't dress a certain way and be righteous. You can't talk a certain way and call yourself righteous. God alone is righteousness. Now when I live in Him, led by Him, then I become a follower of the righteous and will please Him and not myself or anyone else. So if I've got passion, I'm In May will be 62 years that I have been preaching this gospel Told you last night, I don't mind you knowing I am 39 years of age Age is a number And mine's unlisted And I've watched it through the years I've gone through the cycle I remember the latter rain I remember the glory tabernacle day I remember the covenant movement. I remember the full gospel movement. I remember the word movement. And now we're living in the charismatic movement. And I've watched those stars ascend and then descend. Because they focus only on the peripheral, not the main thing. And Jesus is still the main thing. I am passionate about the things of God and doing his work. I should have been retired more years ago than a lot of you are alive. I should be sitting on the front porch of my home in Kinder, Louisiana, are sitting on the deck of my swimming pool watching my grandkids and my great-grand and my family enjoying and me sitting there with a cup of coffee. Just so saying, ain't God good. But God has raised me from the dead three times. Oh, I'm not talking about being in a Pentecostal church with a bunch of Pentecost. I hate that word Pentecost. P-E-N-N-Y, Pentecost. I hate it. I hate it. It wasn't a bunch of emotional Pentecost. I I was in the dentist's office one time. My body does not handle medication. I'm extremely sensitive to epinephrine. Ephrinephrine is in just about every, you have to order special medication that doesn't have ephrinephrine. My sensitivity is so great that one ten-thousandth part of epinephrine causes my heart to race to over 600 beats a minute, and then it stops, boom, and I'm gone. And I was in this dentist's chair, and medicine without epinephrine doesn't last as long as the other. So he was cutting on me doing some oral surgery. So I, I, I jerked because he hit a nerve. And so he told his assistant, give me that syringe. Well, she picked up the wrong syringe and gave me a big shot loaded with epinephrine. Within 10 seconds of it hitting me, I was gone. Last to go was my hearing, and I heard him saying, it wasn't praise the Lord. It wasn't I love you, Jesus. He is a cuss and a blue streak. And they begin to monitor me. I do not know how long I was out, but I was out. They worked on me. They ripped my shirt. They, they was doing everything they could do in that office. They was calling the, uh, the EMTs. They were calling for an ambulance to take me to the hospital. And in, in this, it was like I didn't know anything. I didn't hear, didn't see. But it was like I was just walking along. And I was, I was in a tunnel. Now, I, I know, I'm just telling you about me. I can't answer for anybody else. And so, I don't like closed-in spaces. I like openness. I like, I love this. It's open. I like it. And all of a sudden, my wife, who was 33 miles away, because I had driven myself for just a simple oral procedure. See? And all of a sudden, I heard her call my name and say, Stop. Turn around. You're going The wrong direction. Well, I looked around and it's it's dark. I didn't see anybody. So I did see that there's an entrance over there. So I'm starting. And the second time. And it wasn't until the third time when she called me with that tone of voice that mamas and wives can use. That tell you they mean business. And I stopped and I began to go back the way that I was going. The first thing to return to me was my hearing. And I heard him say, oh, thank God, there is a pulse, but it's very reedy." And so I began to slowly come back. And and I come back where I could open my eyes and and I could speak. And they they were doing all this stuff and pounding on me. And about that time, the door opened and the EMTs come with their stretcher and this little box. They said, stand clear, we're going to. I said, no. You've almost killed me already. I'm not going to let you finish the job. You're not putting that stuff on me. And I got up and went to my house. I drove 33 miles. When I got home, it was like I'd had a stroke. My right arm, my right leg, my face was drooped. I could not do anything. I went into the house, and my wife was visiting with me another preacher's wife, and, and that woman nearly fainted. But my wife said, it's going to be all right. I went and laid on the bed for maybe 10 minutes, got up with no effects whatsoever. God took care of it. But that dentist told me there was no sign of life, no not, not an emotional somebody, a, a man of medicine. Oh, it, it may be dentistry, but he still has a knowledge of it. And then I went for cataract surgery. I I was born legally blind. I could not count my fingers on my hand. I wore glasses that looked like Coke bottles. The bottom of them, they were so thick. And finally, I, I went through every prayer line that ever existed. I had every man of God that claimed to be a man of faith pray for me and couldn't get healed. I couldn't buy healing. But I went for surgery, and he, he did this eye. And they, I was in the recovery room. They had me hooked up to the heart machine, to all of the other machines, and they brought my wife and daughter in. And I turned to greet my wife and daughter, and I went out. Now, I, the rest of this story comes from the nurses. I wasn't there. I was gone. They said, I flatlined zing no pulse no brain waves that's what's wrong with me now i was without oxygen for so long my brain and they grabbed my wife before she could say or do anything and they they literally threw her out of that room they're getting ready to do all kinds of stuff to me the nurse that was a surgical assistant to the doctor that uh, did my surgery. I had come in and was doing post-op reports. So she's documenting all of this. I've got the documentation of it. And they grabbed a hold of my daughter. My daughter teaches full-time at a college in Lake Charles. And then she teaches part-time uh, for the university because they, they wanted her. So she, she's not some dummy somebody. She's four foot eleven, weighs maybe 100 pounds. And they grabbed her and said, you've got to get out. And she pulled away from them and said, I'm not going anywhere. That's my dad. And now this is a report from the nurses. This is what they're telling me happened. So if it's a lie, they lie. She walks over there and she puts her hand on my head because they was getting ready to shock me. But they couldn't because she wouldn't take her hand off of my head. And she began to pray, and the Spirit of God hit her, and she began to speak in tongues. First thing that come back was my hearing, and I heard her speaking in tongues. And after I come to, there was a Jamaican nurse. She was from Jamaica. She's about six foot tall. She would have made a good linebacker for any football team anywhere. She was there helping And I didn't see this, I only heard her say, Now that's what I'm talking about. And they said, She just jumped back. And the surgical nurse, that was documenting that I had flatlined, went the very next night to one of our churches and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God loved that one soul enough that he let me go through all of my life uh, nearly blind so that he could bring me to that place where they pronounced me dead. I am not here just a patty cake. I don't have to be doing what I'm doing. I can set it home. I can enjoy my retirement years. I don't ever have to preach another sermon as far as the natural is concerned. But I have a passion for the things of God. I have a passion for the work of God and I'm not here tonight to stir you up in your emotions. I'm here to open a door to the realm of the miraculous and God will get a hold of people that you don't even know and bring them into this place and they'll receive the baptism of his Holy Spirit. How do we know they get it? Because they will speak with other tongues and we're going to take them to the watery grave and we'll bury them, baptize them in water with the lovely name of Jesus called over them. And then the third key, the third key is you've got to pray until. I didn't say pray. I said pray until. In the English language, and had I gone on to, to get my degrees, it would have been in the English language. There is an obsolete, archaic verb form that is not used in modern English. It is the ETH verb form. I I hate that we don't use it because it is the most powerful verb form that has ever existed. Because it means never ending. So he said, Knock until your knuckles get sore and tired. No. He said, Knock and it shall be open. He said, Seek not till you get weary, but until you find it. And you ask. Until your vocal cords melt and you rasp in your voice until you have the answer. Because he that knocketh without ending, he that seeketh without ending is gonna get it. So we've got to learn how to pray un. We pray until we get a little uncomfortable with the situation and the the atmosphere. But we got to pray until all of a sudden, I know without a doubt, God's going to heal you. God's going to bring you out of your infirmity. God's going to bring you out of your addiction. God's going to bring you out of your depression. God's going to bring you out of your frustration. And God is going to show forth his mighty power and his wonderful work. I could preach on all of those and hold you for a while. But this is the fourth and final key. We've got to learn how to speak the Logos, the Word. Now, there's Logos, there's Rhema, there's Rutas. Most people believe that Rhema and Rutas are, are just different words for the same thing. I don't believe that. Rhema, Rutas, Rhema is just... When when somebody is moved on by the Spirit and they they just speak out a general uplifting to the body. That's Rhema. But Rutus is when you speak out and it's with purpose. It's designated. It's a difference in hunting with a shotgun and hunting with a rifle. See, my, my dad, we we were raised poor. I lived in a house that didn't have electricity. I lived in a house that didn't have running water. I lived in a house that had the little house behind it. Well, we did have running water. Mom said, run out to the well and get a bucket of water. My dad was raised poor. And he only had a little single shot, 22. And my grandfather would give him... 322 shells because that's all they'd been able to scrounge up enough money to buy. And he had to bring back three something for us to eat. Huh? So he didn't just go with a shotgun. Brother, he became such a shot in service. He retired as command sergeant major. He became such a shot that you could stick a match in a fence post. And he could shoot it and strike it without breaking the mat stem. That's pretty good. I'm not there. Never have been there. I can't do it. I do good to hit the wall. Okay. So when we, I I touched on it a little bit last night. We say, God, bless me. That shotgun. Shooting, hoping you hit something. Well, and I've already said it. If that's all you're asking for, you've already got it because you're breathing. So you have life. That means you're blessed. So when I have a need, I have to speak clearly, concisely, and sharply about that need. So I need a healing. Well, what kind of healing do you need? There's all kinds of healings. But when we... Do that. And we speak the word. He said, if you ask in faith without doubt, you shall have. You know what? Have you ever looked at the word shall? It's from the old English. And it was relegated to kings. And it meant that once it was spoken or sealed, that no one not even the king could reverse it. And we saw it come to pass in Daniel when the decree was sealed, not even the king could unseal it. So when he said, if you do it, you shall have. Oh, but see, we don't believe that. Because here's what we think. If God gets up on the right side of the bed, and he's in a good mood, and I beg him long enough and hard enough, And I say, pretty please, pretty please, God. Oh, please, God, I'm begging you, please. That maybe if he's in the right kind of mood and the right frame of mind, he'll just go ahead and bless me. No. I I was preaching in Georgia a hundred years ago, back in the 60s. And there was a girl that was coming to the altar. And uh, we had revival services Sunday through Sunday. There was no breaks. We didn't take any nights off. I'd been there three weeks, and she'd come to the altar 21 times. This was the, the 21st night. And she'd come to the altar, and she looked like Annie, orphan Annie. Is that what? Little orphan Annie. Her hair was just like she'd stuck her finger in a light socket <laughs> curly, curly, curly. And she'd stand, and and, and she would get, get set. And she'd just rock back and forth from foot to foot. And she'd say, oh, Lord, give me that there Holy Ghost. And then she'd reach up and she had these little curls, almost like little horns sticking out. And she'd grab one of those curls and she'd pull it straight out. And then she'd turn it loose and it'd go, bing, wing, wing. It was funny. I laughed. Couldn't help it. 21 nights she'd been there. Oh, Lord. Give me that there Holy Ghost. And then she got mad on that 21st night. And she just stopped, slung her arms and said, Oh, shucks, Lord. Just give me a blessing. That's funny, too. But that's where we are. We ask till we get tired. We seek until we get dry eyes. We knock until our knuckles get sore. And then finally say, oh God, just touch me, Lord. If you're not gonna just give me a little touch, just let me feel that little hoo -hoo 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 hoochie coochie stuff so I can just have that tingle and go my way. But if you'll learn to speak the word of your need and of God's eternal. Irremu- irrefutable immutable word then you shall have now here's what he said uh, Mark says 11, 22, 23 somewhere in there he said you come to your mountain whosoever shall beg that mountain sob and cry and snot for six months about that mountain what does it say? whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. And not only can you speak to the mountain and tell it to go, you can tell it where to go. Now, I'll be honest with you, there's been times i wanted to tell some people where to go, but I don't think that's quite what he meant, okay? But you can't speak to the mountain until you have established a relationship with God in prayer and in faith and in faithfulness. But when you do, there comes a time to quit praying about that mountain and just tell it, you're in my way. Get out of my way in Jesus' name. The mountain in your life is under no obligation to move until you speak to it with the authority of the name of Jesus and the faith that is in you by the infilling of his Holy Spirit. Many years ago, there was, a, there was a woman in another country that was, was not an open country. The missionaries couldn't go in. It wasn't a place that you could have freedom of worship and religion. It was, it was a, a regime that was not, not for God at all. But, it, but at least they, they could live life, and she come from a fairly well-to-do family. And then in, in a time of turmoil and war, the communist come in and took them over confiscated everything and uh, people were homeless people that had been wealthy were homeless that's what that's what communism and socialism will do to you and if we don't stop the flow of it and the direction of it in our country we're going to find out i'm i'm not a, I don't I'm, I'm not a democrat and i'm not a republican i'm an independent I don't vote for a party, and if you do, shame on you. You better look at a candidate and find out what they believe and stand for. And I'm not going to vote for a baby killer. You do what you want, but I'm not going to vote for a baby killer. I don't care who it is. So her name was Tina. And in, in this, she was thrown out. But and there was a, a, against the mountain. That was just an old tin, wasn't much more than an old chicken coop, and they'd killed her parents, but they give that to her for her home. No floors, just the earth. The walls had gaps in them, and at the base of a mountain. And there were so many orphan children that their parents had been killed, and they'd just been left alone like stray cats and dogs. She began to gather them. And pretty soon they, they, they had to search for planks and all to try to enlarge it until she had probably 60 or so kids. And, and she had an experience with God. Nobody preached to her. Nobody come and told her. But she just stood outside one day and said, God, are you real? Do you exist? If you do, let me know. And something got a hold of her. And she began to talk in tongues. Oh God, they that hunger and thirst. And that same spirit began to deal with her. She found a ditch full of water. She didn't have a Bible. She had nobody preaching to her. But when she got the Holy Ghost, she found a ditch of water and baptized herself. In the name of Jesus, that's pretty powerful. You may not think of it. I thought that's pretty cool. And she began to teach those children. She found a Bible, and she began to teach it. I don't know where she found it. Don't know if it was left in somebody. I don't know. All I know is she found a Bible, and she taught them every day. She, she started at Genesis, going through, and she come to Mark eleven. And she taught them, God can do anything. God would do anything. All you've got to do is believe it. All you've got to do is. And so she read, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, cast into the sea. They were at the base of the mountain. Sunshine never reached them. It was damp. It was dank. It was uncomfortable. So they looked at her and said, dear Let us speak to this mountain so that it will go. Oh, wait a minute, honey. That's not what that means. The scripture don't really mean what it says. So, you know, you can't really get a healing. You just go on to the doctor and you you take your medicine and you, you, you take your chances. But it don't really mean that. But she couldn't tell him that because she believed it meant what it said. So every morning they would get out. They would line up and face that mountain. And they say, mountain be thou removed. Six weeks. Six weeks. Every morning, those kids along with her said, mountain be thou removed. On the seventh week, they had started in and started mountain. And they heard a noise They looked down the winding trail and they could see a convoy of soldiers coming. It never meant anything good in that country when a convoy of soldiers showed up. So she rushed them into that little ramshackle shed and she stood and this This jeep come and then the troop carriers behind it. And this very officious officer jumped out of that jeep and said to her, you will have no choice. We are going to transport you and all of these kids into the town down in the valley for a time. Because the government has decided to build a cross-country highway and they're going to take this mountain with all of its rocks and boulders and dirt and they're going to tear this mountain down and build this cross-country highway. Can I tell you the government didn't decide anything? I'll tell you what happened. God said, I heard you. Now, sometimes God uses the devil and his hymns to do what he wants done, but it's all right. That mountain was moved, and they even got something built that was much nicer, and when they went back, the mountain was gone. Oh, I wonder what would happen right here, even in this local assembly, if we believed that everything that God has promised us, if we could believe that it would really come to pass. Have you got a key tonight? Have you got a key tonight? Have you taken any of these keys? Put it in there. You don't even have to wiggle it around to make it work. It'll fit. And it'll work. Last night we saw A demonstration. I prayed for you. Compressed spine. Lived in pain. Where's your pain tonight? Be honest. It's gone. So it wasn't just one little hoochie coochie stuff. Oh, okay. Isn't that amazing? I I don't see him. I think he's out with the baby. But you know him better than he knows himself, as any good wife does. How's he been today? No pain. And he's had DVT for years, apparently. Oh, what is that? That's the miraculous. Oh, that's because you're here, Brother Smith, and you know, you're, you're a man of faith. No, 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 no. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm the mailman. I'm just delivering the mail. What you do with it is your, now. I'm, I'm going to tell this, and then I'm, we're just going to see what God wants to do. Now, when you look at the clock, understand, I didn't start till uh, a little bit after 8 o'clock. So don't blame me for being as late as it is now, okay? Well, y'all pray for me, but many, many, many years ago, back in the 50s and, and uh, even the early 60s, there was a television program <clears throat> that was on. Our family had one. Our pastor did not preach against it. In fact, he preached that we ought to use it. But be that as it may, but there was a program on called "The Millionaire," not not the game show that came out several years ago. This is way back yonder, and I believe it was uh, was it Raymond Massey that had that deep, melodious voice that made James Earl Jones sound like a squeaky, voice-changing teenager. And it always started out with this huge desk and this man in a high-back leather chair looking out his window, and then this other guy that was big and stocky and had... Hair just combed straight back and had a face that looked like it had caught on fire. And somebody put it out with an ice pick. He'd scare you if you saw him in the dark. And he'd knock on the door and open it. And this, this man would turn around. And he was a billionaire. And he would have an envelope. And he would have a name on it. And he would say to this man, here is our next millionaire. He was giving away a million dollars. I kept waiting for him to come see me. Still am waiting on him. He'd be dead now. And so this man would get in his black Cadillac, and he'd go in fine. And there was a young couple that were married. And uh, at that time, point in time, Argentina was a very, very prosperous country until socialism and communism took over. And the oil fields were amazing. I had friends that worked there. And, and so he went to work in Argentina so that he could make big money. And he'd only get home every three or four months and would be home maybe two weeks, three weeks. And then he'd go back trying to build for their future. Well, being a good husband, uh, any of you husbands here like to have a new wife? Oh, you all afraid to say anything because you're sitting by him. I'm going to tell you how to get a new wife. Legally and morally right. You want to know how to get a good wife? Another wife? You're not going to say nothing. If you've got good sense, you better not say nothing. But being a good if you want to get a new wife, I tell you what. You come home from work tomorrow. You stop somewhere and get some flowers and candy and buy her a new dress. And when you walk through that door, you grab her and you lay one on her. And you give her that. And she'll drop dead of a heart attack and you can go find another one. Told that to my church and kinder, and Wayne Batchelor come to me one night about a week later and said, Pastor, it wasn't right. It didn't work. I said, Wayne, what's that? He said, I tried it, and she's still living. <laughs> but being a good husband, he, he would do things. He would send her singing telegrams. Y'all don't even know what that is unless you're on the other side of 40 and 50. 'd he'd, he'd He'd have flowers all the time doing something. Then when he come back, they'd talk about it and have fun and enjoy it. And so he'd come back after this time, they' had been chosen to be the next millionaire. And so uh, the the driver showed up. She took the envelope and she just laughed, and she just threw it in a dresser drawer because it was just another one of his little. Deals, and so when they come, he come home, and they were they were driving somewhere to go eat, driving an old '57 DeSoto. Y'all don't even know what that is, do you? That's an automobile push button automobile. And she was talking about some of the things that he had done for her. She said, "But it it topped the list when you hired that man to come up in that big old black Cadillac." And he walked to my door and scared me when he knocked on it. I thought, oh, my Lord, what in the world is happening? And said, he told me that we had been chosen to be millionaires. And so he gave me this envelope with a check for a million (laughs) dollars. Pay double tithes when you get it. And he hit the brakes on that car. He looked at her and said, what Cadillac, what man, what envelope? She said, he said, I didn't do that. So he wheeled that car around and drove back to the house. They ran in there and pulled that drawer open. He ripped that envelope out of her hands, took a cashier's check for one million dollars. Do you know how much that million dollars was worth in all of the time it laid in that dresser drawer? Zero. It was just laying there. It had no redeeming quality because it was just, oh well, I got it. Okay, throw it there. How often does God knock at our door and say, here, I got you healing. You don't have to worry about your heart situation anymore. You don't even think about it anymore because it's forever settled. Okay? Are you believing me? You better believe me because I'm telling you, that heart is forever settled. Okay? Why don't you believe it or not? I'm just telling you what what. I'm giving you that envelope. Now, you can throw that in your forget pile and it will never become a reality to you. Or you can walk into that storehouse and say, there's my healing, there's my deliverance, there's my financial blessing, there's... Uh? Are we ready... To walk out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. The extraordinary. Paul, oh, if we God wants to do for us much more than what we want him to do. He's more anxious to do it than we are for him to do it. But it's our own fault. We are the devil cannot limit God. The devil cannot bind God. How many times have you heard somebody say, "Oh, the devil bound that service tonight. We had trouble." The devil doesn't have enough power in all of hell to bind one service of the kingdom of God. It No, the devil cannot bind God. This world cannot limit God. The only one that can limit God is the believer. I've taken the limits off of God. I've taken the restraints off from God. He did not raise me from the dead three times uh, for me to talk a patty cake for Jesus and just a feel-good philosophy. It's time for the church of the living God to rise up in the power of our faith, in the power of his spirit and do the work of God. I see a blanket. It's just a dark blanket. It's like what one of these you call throws. That's about what I see. It. It's just floating around. That's what I see it. I told you. I told you when that. Brain didn't have all that oxygen going on, you know. No. But I see it. And I see the word depression written on it. And I see it settling on you. And you lose interest in everything. And you have your greatest pity parties. And you sit sullen, pouting. Alone because you feel like there's no hope and there's no life and there's nothing. And we want to sing the song Nobody Loves Me. Nobody loves me. I'm gonna run away and eat worm. Short, fat, long, skinny. I'm gonna run away and eat worm. And depression causes you to quit praying. And you don't come to church like you're supposed to. Oh, I'm not talking to anybody here. I'm I'm talking to all those that are not here tonight without reason. You know what what an excuse is? Would you all really like for me to give you a definition of an excuse? No. Yeah, no. Don't care. Don't matter. An excuse is a skin of truth stuffed with a lie. We all have our excuses for why we're not doing for God what we are called to do, but we have no reason. The same one that are set at home on church night because I'm tired, it's a hard day. If you're a stay-at-home mom, that's one of the hardest jobs. So the kids have been nuts today. They've gone crazy. They've screamed and hollered and I'm just... So I'm not going to church tonight. I just don't, I'm tired. But the next night, same day, same kids, you say, let's go out and eat. I'm ready to go. Huh? You're here tonight and you battle depression. You're not bipolar. The devil wants you to think you are, but you're not bipolar. You're just letting that blanket settle on you and you withdraw from friends and family and you withdraw from the only source that can help you and that's to be in the house of God with like-minded believers. I don't care if you're a visitor here. I don't care if this is your first time, your 3,000th and fourth time to be here. God is in this place to deliver you From your depression not to give you relief from it tonight, but to rip that blanket to shreds and cast it away, not just for a season, but it will no longer exist. That's the kind of God that I serve. And just like that little girl of mine laid hands on me, and she was a, she was a, a, a teacher at that time, but she didn't care. All that education didn't make a fool out of her. She knew that if I can touch God from my daddy... He won't be put in a casket. He'll get up from there. And I got up from there. And I'm still up from there. And I'm not looking for it. I've got my order in to go by way of the trumpet, not by way of the grave. I'm telling you, God is in this place tonight to deliver you from your depression. I could walk back and put my hand on you, but I'm not going to do it. You're going to have to come to the place where you exercise your faith. You're going to have to use these keys that I've given you tonight and open the door for yourself and receive. It's already on the shelf. It already exists in God's economy. So you must enjoy it or you'd be up here. You say, you're missing the preacher. No, I'm not missing it. I'm not missing it. Depression. 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 Well, keep it. I don't care. I don't want it. I'm not going to have it. When Jesus cried On the cross, it is finished. Calvary was an ending. The resurrection was a beginning. But when he cried, I wish we could get this. It is finished. That means that every sickness. Every infirmity, every affliction, any work of the devil that's ever been in existence, that means it was taken care of. When the prophet stood in the shadow of the cross, he proclaimed these words, by his stripes we are. R A R E are, A-R-E, we are healed. But when the apostle stood on the other side without the shadow of fear and doubt, he said by his stripes we were past tense. It was the finished work at Calvary. I'm here to tell you tonight, there's a finished warehouse. that has got everything that you want, everything that you need, everything that you desire. But where is your passion? Where's your passion? I'm not necessarily going to do what I did last night. Because I'm tired of people being begged to come receive their miracle. I'm tired of begging people to come receive their miracle. There was a man called A.W. Sassman, he's an old German man. He's a preacher. Oh, my Lord. Man of faith. And when Brother Bennett announced that he was going to be with us in revival, he was an oxymoron. I'm not talking about two dumb ox. We were excited because he was a man of faith. But we went, because oh, he was a two and a half hour preacher every night. And he didn't get all excited. He just stood up there. He talked about the Vietnam War. His accent was prominent. And he had just. But when he got through. And he opened the door. To the miraculous. The blind came. And left seeing. The dumb came. And left talking. The deaf came. And left hearing. Wheelchairs were lined up against the wall. Because they were no longer needed. Crutches were scattered where they were thrown by those that were being healed. Crippled limbs were made straight. And the power of God was demonstrated. Because he knew the keys. I've given you the same keys that he had. What are you going to do with them? God has positioned this church at this time for extreme purpose. Not just for purpose, but for extreme purpose. You're sitting here tonight. This just hit me, so I'm just going to address it, and then I'll go on. And you think I'm as crazy as a Bessie Bug. You don't even know what a Bessie Bug is. That's a southern term. He's say, like, what in the world is wrong with that guy? He's got part-timers, all-timers, every kind of time. He, he just, He's nuts because you don't quite understand what it is that I'm talking about. You're not familiar with being in a house of God like this tonight. You've never been taught and had it poured into you about the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And you're sitting there wondering, why in the world is that crazy old man? He's just keeping on and on and on and on. And you're not here just because somebody asked you to come. You're not here out of luck, happenstance, fate, or karma. You are here because the divine of God seized your heart because God is getting ready to bring people into this church that you've never seen, that you've never invited and when they come you better accept them and pray with them and pray for them and believe with them to be delivered and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't worry about how they look or how they act. God's going to take care of all of that. You just be what you're supposed to be and do what you're supposed to do. It's time for the Pentecostal church to rise up in the power of, look at that mountain and say, Mountain be thou removed. And not only get out of my way, I want you in the sea so that you won't bother anybody else. You're not going to be in my life. Don't you understand that Satan is a defeated foe? He's under your feet. I said, He's under your feet. All power in heaven and in earth has been given unto. To me through the baptism of the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's see the letter C, 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 and let's see two numbers, two and three. I have extreme pain in my neck. Very painful right now. When I try to move it at all, it's almost like it seizes and spasms and and it hurts. So that tells me that in your cervical area of the spine, there's an injury, there is something abnormal, whether by birth or by injury. I don't know and don't care because it doesn't matter. And you struggle with it. You sleep a certain way and you get up and you can't move that neck. And there's other times that it grips you and you have such extreme pain that you don't know what to do with it. You can take Advil, you can take Tylenol, you can take all that stuff and it might dull it a little bit. But it's not taking care of the problem. But the Holy Ghost is here tonight to take care of that situation. Now, is that you, sis? You're not just pretending to make me look good, huh? Because you don't have to worry about me. They can't eat me. So it don't really matter. So you have that. Were well, you're in an accident, birth. You don't really know. You don't know where it comes from. You just know. So is it, is it with you now? Not at the moment. Okay. Every morning when you wake up, you turn it a certain way and it hurts. Now, what about right now? Can you move it like you need to? You can move it. No pain when you do. So right now you preach. See, The devil likes to lay down and play a sleeping dog because he don't like to be called out. But are you ready to be through with that? And, and you'll testify this weekend. You'll testify. I didn't say maybe. I said, You will testify this weekend that you're going to wake up Friday morning, and you're going to wake up Saturday morning, and you're going to wake up Sunday morning, and there's not going to be that in the name of. Lord Jesus Christ, I speak into this neck, into the vertebrae of this neck, and I command a realignment of them, and whatever this problem is, you take care of it now, forevermore, in Jesus. Oh, my God, oh, Oh, I feel your presence, Lord. Now, I hate to tell you, she's not the only one here with that neck trouble. We think that if somebody comes, I can't come because God's, God's such a little God, he can only deal with one problem at a time. Let me tell you, he's got enough power to take care of everything in this state, in this country, in this world. Is that you, sis? Car accident. Okay. You live with pain most of the time with it? Is it with you now? And When you turn your neck a certain way, it hurts worse. Okay, makes you dizzy. Okay, don't like that. I don't like that. I don't think you ought to live with that, do you? Now, don't tell me what you think I want to hear, but did God heal your husband? He healed him last night. Okay. You think God loves your husband more than he loves you? Better not. (laughs) Violates his word. We use the scripture, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we, we shout about that. But put it with, I perceive that God is no respecter of person. You get this. If he's ever done anything for anyone, he's obligated to do it for me. Right? By the authority. Come here, sis. Come here, sis. Come here. Put your hand one on either side of her neck. What this car wreck has done in this body I command the touch of recreation powers into this neck, the sinew, the muscles, the tendons, the nerves, and the vertebrae that this very night from the very top of her head to the bottom of her feet, the coursing power of healing virtue will flow through her body. She shall be healed. She shall be healed, delivered, set free. God, I believe it. God, I believe it. God, I believe it. In Jesus' name, I believe it. Now you just do something of your I'm not gonna tell you what to do, but you just do something that you feel in faith that you can do right now. It doesn't hurt. When you turn it and it makes you dizzy. No 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 pain? What the dizziness gone? Well, can I ask a crazy question from a crazy man? If the symptoms are gone and the pain is gone, could we say that means there's a healing? So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> I'm going to praise him. I'm going to thank him. If you don't live with it, you don't understand it. You don't understand it. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on because there's really one more here, but I guess you like what you've got. Because there is one more here with that situation in your life. There is. But I can't, I can't make you receive it. Can't make you receive it. Honey, you were here last night. You're kind of a pig, aren't you? You just won't. You just. You're going to get in out of that trough, aren't you? That's what you're supposed to do. You got to be like the woman with the issue of blood. You got to, you got to crawl in, just get out of my way. Bite an ankle. Bump a knee. Do something. Get in there. I a fusion. And you have pain from it. Three years. Okay. You're in pain tonight. Your right, right arm, it, it manifests in there. Okay, sis, would you come back? Just be Okay. Okay. Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, now, I tell you what, I got an envelope for you. It doesn't have a million dollars in it. It's got something worth more than a million dollars to you. It's got a healing. I'm telling you, I I, I know what I'm seeing. I know what I'm feeling. I'm going to put my hand on you, and you're going to feel like somebody put... Like a heating pad or a warm uh, washcloth that's been heated with warm water. And it's just going to feel warm. And if you'll receive it, that's your healing. If you'll receive it, it's up. To, it's not up to me. If it's up to me, you've already been healed. But I can't hear you. I'm delivering the mail. I heard him say, give her this. Touch her, sis. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I curse every symptom. I curse the pain into this right arm that the nerves are affected because of this surgery and the fusion that is there in the metal plate. I curse it in the name of Jesus. I curse it. I command it to be loose from this body and forevermore the power of healing virtue. Lord, I just felt it. My Lord. I felt that warmth flowing in me. I thank you for it, Lord. I'm going to go ahead and thank you for it, Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and say thank you for it, Lord. I'm just going to praise you for it. In Jesus' name, I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to give you honor. I'm going to give you all of the praise. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, it's an act of faith, you do anything that you want to do. That if you'd have done before, it would have caused you problems. But you just go ahead and do it in Jesus' name, and give Him the glory for it, and give Him the praise for it. It's, it's you, it's you. I'm telling you, I give you. I, I I delivered the mail. That's all I can do. I got it. You couldn't do that before. Is she? Do you know her, Pastor? Is she telling me the truth, or is she just trying to make me look good? He knows. Oh, apparently you call him quite a bit. Okay. 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 Well, should we not accept that then as the result that she's healed in Jesus? Why not? Why take it home with him? Why take it home with him? I see three letters and I I got to go because it's after nine and I've kept you way too long. But remember, I didn't start till after eight o'clock. So I haven't been up here as long as some of you think.